Welcome to Vision Magnified. We are a podcast that showcases the blind community living limitlessly. Breaking barriers and smashing stereotypes. Proving that we are more than just our disability. Happy Thriving Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the season premiere of Vision Magnified. I am Sasha, flying solo, but not solo because I have an amazing panel of guests. I have... Hi, my name is Lily. I'm on TikTok at bookworm.lily, and I'm glad to be on the podcast. I'm Selena. I live in Southern California, and it's great to be here. Hey, I'm Marion. I'm from New York, and I am uh, Marion underscore Murasaki on TikTok. And Selena is Silk Stinger as well on TikTok. And I think everybody has been on the show before. Mm-hmm. Yay! Okay. Mm-hmm. Yay! <laughs> so this is an episode that I have been dying to do for a very, very long time because this is like one of those it, this really grinds my gears type of episodes. Um, today we are talking about paratransit nightmares. And I know I've put out the call by this point um, on Vision Magnified that if any of you guys wanted to throw in your own horror stories, um, we will spicy, spicy those in throughout the show. So, yeah, um, hopefully you guys have sent in a lot of stories because we want to hear them and we also want to try and find solutions together to this problem. So, I guess I'll kick it off by saying that for those of you who don't know, paratransit is a way for visually impaired people or other people with disabilities to get from point A to point B. It's kind of like Uber or Lyft before Uber or Lyft was a thing. Um, The thing is is that it's a set price. Um, Some places it's like 80 cents, some places it's something like $2.50 or $3. It varies from place to place. And basically, their job is curb-to-curb service. So they are um, tasked with getting you from the front door of your home or wherever they're picking you up from to the front door of wherever you are going. And these are designed with people with disabilities in mind. Does that sound like a good description of that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah. So before you guys even got started with the whole paratransit situation... Um, tell me what your, what your knowledge of it was or like what you thought it would be before joining. I, I originally thought it would be like something that would, again, get me from point A to point B, but in like a, like relatively like decent amount of time, again, something, something like, you know, like Uber or Lyft, but in reality it's not that that case um i didn't realize that because you know there's so many disabled people um there's not enough of workers for paratransit and so i didn't realize that i would be sharing my ride some of the time with other disabled people um i have worked with the disabled community uh, mostly people with um intellectual and, and developmental disorders um so I was very familiar with Accessoride and how it ran, which is the uh, paratransit here in New York City. Um, and unfortunately, when I decided to stop driving, I knew that I was going to have to rely on them. And I was not happy about it because I was very familiar with their faults. I would say I, I was somewhat familiar. I've been a, a member for a very long time. Um, 
So I knew that it was similar to a fixed route bus system. And I had done a bit of research into it before, before signing up. So in my case, um, I knew a little bit about it. Um, not too much. I just knew that it was, you know, basically like a, a ride share service, um, that picked up people with disabilities. Um, I assumed that all these drivers were background checked and vetted and all, you know, I figured it was safe, you know, like, um, I figured that it was a safe way to get where I needed to go, um, in a timely fashion. Um, so did anyone, uh, what was the process like for you guys to, to join paratransit and were you told anything by anyone prior to joining or prior to, to doing the interview? Yes, actually I was. Um, so I learned about paratransit through my O&M instructor at the time. Mm-hmm. And he suggested that when I applied for the program that I would p- kind of play up the blindness card because um, that would be easier to get through the process because um, paratransit here, like in Illinois, and I'm not sure in any other states, but... Um, you know, if they, they're not sure if you're disabled enough for it, they'll make you do like a route, like, oh, you need to go from point A to point B and show like that you can't do such things like, oh, find the curb or cross streets or stuff like that. Yeah, for me, it was a, an application, an interview. And when I went into the interview, I definitely played up being blind. Um, Were you told to do so? Um, I was not, I kind of figured it out though, uh, pretty quickly within the interview that, um, if I let on how independent I actually am, that it wouldn't go well for me in terms of getting the service. Yeah. What would probably happen is you would probably only get it for like certain like times. It wouldn't be like an everyday sort of situation. I didn't necessarily have to have to play up um, anything, but um, I did have to tell them that I required a PCA or a um, travel assistant or something, even yes. though I said that I didn't, um, because they said that would um, impede my ability to uh, get the service. Um, but when I went in there, the way it was set up for me um, was, you know, you know, they're they're automatically thinking about physical disabilities. They're never really thinking about um, something like vision. So I go in there, and um, I'm at the desk or whatever. I fill out the whole paper. I mean, the woman's literally holding it in her hand, and she goes, "Okay, you have to show me that you can't step up on the bus." And I was like, "What bus?" She goes, "That bus." And she points like clear across this room, and I'm like. I don't know what you're pointing at. I'm legally blind. That's why I'm doing this. And she looks back down at my paper and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And she walks me over to it. And I'm like, so what do I have to do? I was like, yes, I physically can get on here. That's not really the push. She goes, no, 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 you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. Like, they're just so unequipped for what they have in front of them. It's it's a little ridiculous. Yeah, it is. So I was told, um, I was told about paratransit from... Voc Rehab. I was honestly not told by my O&M instructor. Um, I was told about it through Voc Rehab, and um, they set me up with a uh, the phone number. They gave me the phone number, and they said to call 
and get the application. They said that I will be picked up for an interview, and they told me that I really had to play up being blind. They're like, if, I know you don't use your cane before identity uh, for identification purposes, but you need to use it. They're like, wear mismatched socks, don't do your hair. Like, they, oh, they wow. gave me oh, specific um, instructions on how to play up my, my blindness. And as you'll find through the episodes that we're going to do in the future, um, blind services have a lot of antiquated ways of thinking about blindness. And this is absolutely disgusting for the type of services that they provide, but it 100% was the case. Um, I had a friend who went in there just as she was, and they told her, no, you can use a bus. You can use a bus. You don't need our service. Um, when when uh, we would do, there was a, the, the interview was a bunch of little things that we had to do. So the first thing that I had to do was walk around this yellow line, um, and I had to go from point A to point B. So, like, can you walk from this door to the stop sign over there? I said, what stop sign? And then they just kind of pointed again, and I'm like, uh, they're like, just follow the yellow line. You'll get there and just stop when you see the stop sign. So I said, okay. And I just walked the yellow line and I saw the stop sign, but I kept going. And then they're like, um, you passed it. And I said, okay. So I turned around and I went past it again. And they're like, right here. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, sorry. You know, again, I'm blind. Can't see. And I totally could see it. I knew where it was, but it's like, you have to play that kind of crap up. And it's like the entire, right. the entire time I'm like livid because here I am portraying every stereotype in the book. To get a yep. service that I am due. Um, yes. And then after that, there was another part of the interview wherein they sat with this, like, binder on their lap. And they're like, you are looking for the McDonald's sign. And <clears throat> I sat a fair distance away from them. Um, and, where, uh, and they would flip through pictures of scenery taken from the bus. And you had to point out, like, McDonald's. You had to point out, um, like, a car wash. You had to point out different things. And I was like, okay, I could see the McDonald's, but I'm not going to say I can. Like, like, what do you guys want from me? Like, obviously, I'm not going to lie. You know, I'm, I don't want to lie. But, you know, at the same time, your ideas are way out of line and way antiquated. Yeah. Um, when I was doing um, my, you know, application and the interview process, we did the, you know, the questionnaire first. And it would be stuff like, can you see the stop signs? And I'd be like, no. And that was the truth because I really can't see, you know, distance. Mm -hmm. I'm very nearsighted. And I think by now I can only see like maybe a couple feet in front of me. Um, and then they'd be like, can you see the um, traffic lights? I'd be like, no. Can And it'd be a lot of the name questions about can you see something? Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, it, it was... A questionnaire. I never had an extensive where you had to point out things. They would just ask, "Can you see this? Can you see this?" And it's like, "No." Um, you know, they would ask about getting groceries and performing everyday tasks, and I would just downplay everything. But did you guys not have to submit some sort of um, doctor's form? Yes, absolutely. I, yes. And that was after the verification so process. I mean, yeah. of all the things, I didn't expect any of that because I didn't. Once I pointed, once I couldn't see the, the fake bus that they had on the other side of the room, mm -hmm. um, that was pretty much the end of it because it kind of clicked in our head. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have to do all of that other stuff. That's wild. <clears throat> so I actually, I don't remember submitting any doctor's forms, but I could be wrong about. They, okay, so for mine, I believe on the paper application towards the end, 
they'll ask, they'll ask for like a doc like for your information for your like whatever a doctor you go to like so you know a retina specialist ophthalm ophthalmologist whatever and then you pretty much sign off saying that you give permission for them to release whatever information they want but i don't think they really truly contact these people well i had to actually have my doctor fill out a form um so yeah and i've applied all over california basically i was in la county um then i was in the inland empire um and then i was up north in sacramento so like I've applied all over the place, and these processes for me have been virtually the same. Um, it's like we need a doctor's information. We need, um, you know, then we need you to come in for the interview and for the, you know, the walk around thing. And like it was always the same thing. Um, and you know, the first time, like I don't know about y'all, but they picked me up, right? They picked me up for the interview, and when they picked me up, a they were right on time. B, I got from point A to point B with zero issue, and it it seemed like the process was going to be a smooth one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So, so my question in that vein is, how long um, after having or after starting paratransit did it take you to have your first bad experience? Like just brass tacks. Like how long before your first bad experience? First day, I took it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. I wish I could say it was longer, but it was literally the first time I got on that Dan. <laughs> and technically, yeah. it was the second ride of the day because I was taking it daily because I was still working full time at the time that I stopped driving. And I I got to work very early, of course, because they make you they make you um, be ready ridiculously early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had come to terms with the fact that I'm going to have a solid half hour to an hour that I'm going to be sitting in my office for no reason. It took them 40 minutes to come get me to come to go home and another hour and a half to actually get home. I live on Staten Island. It is literally 14 miles long. There's no reason (laughs) that it should have taken that long. He had one other passenger in the car. He literally went around he went the opposite way. So he was supposed to be taking me south. He went north up to the tip of the island mm-hmm. and went around. Because now I'm looking at the map. Like, where's this guy going? Mm-hmm. And, and he went to the absolute tip of the island, took the way roundabout way back south, all to get to a street that was literally right on route to take me home, to drop off this first other person first. So it was literally an hour and a half later that he pulled up in front of my apartment building. And I was so livid at this point. I said, do you realize there were like six other ways that you could have done this to, to, to shorten the time? And he was just looked at me like I had 17 heads. Just, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. That's a common, that's a common mm. thing um, where they will take you all around the mulberry bush, you know, <laughs> completely a different route to get to your house or wherever your destination is. Um, and then you ask them about it. Like the common response that I get is, Oh, well, this is the way dispatch routes it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't really remember my first bad experience with paratransit, but that's because I didn't start taking it immediately. When I started taking it more frequently was when I was in community college 
And there were some classes that I wanted to take, but they were like later on at night. And, you know, once November hits, you know, the days start getting shorter and, you know, it gets dark earlier. And my mom was uncomfortable with me being on um, CTA, which is our transit, um, like our public transportation here in Chicago. And she wasn't comfortable with me taking it at night. So the deal was I could take whatever classes I want at night, but I had to take care of transit home. And mind you, I'm in downtown Chicago and I live near south midwest like i'm near like the midway airport and so that's a long ride and so then they'll take like, people that are more closer downtown first than me it's very common to be taken all around all around town um so uh i there is a rule that if you are in a van or in a vehicle you cannot be in the vehicle for more than two hours i believe it is um <laughs> One time they picked me up from work, and they picked me up at about 5.30 p.m., and um, I was working at Disney, so I was working in Orange County. They took me to, um, like, they took me about an hour, and away, an hour away back toward past where my parents lived. Then they took me um, back the other way past Disney. I didn't get home until wow. 9 o'clock. When I contacted Paratransit about this, it was the same old deal. Oh, um, you know, that that's the way the dispatch route it, routes it. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And that whole thing about, oh, you, you're not supposed to be in the, in the van for more than two hours. The drivers don't. That doesn't happen. I mean, I've been in a, a van for three hours or more. I can't say mine exceeded more than two hours, but there have been times where it has been pretty long. I don't think we have that rule, but my being that um, New York City spans five boroughs, which are essentially on five different, like two, two, three islands worth of, you know, the lower part of New York. um, I don't think that that's a realistic rule because just between distance and traffic, like we can't, they can't promise that. (laughs) Well, the idea is basically that you shouldn't be sitting there having to go to the bathroom. Um, um, it's inhumane. Yeah, I was going to comment on that. They will stop if you need a restroom break. I mean, I've dealt with Antelope Valley and um, like in L.A. These are all L.A. County um, in the valley in in L.A. and in Antelope Valley. And they will stop to give you a restroom break. But, you, I mean, you're still in the van for hours at a time i wish i would have so. known that because there was one time that um i ate something funky and the guy sitting next to me his cologne was so strong and made me so so nauseous and the whole entire car ride i'm thinking oh my god please do not puke in this paratransit band please do not puke i got all the way home and once i got home i ran to the bathroom and my mom's like, oh, my God, I thought that was your father because my dad's steps are pretty heavy and he will accidentally slam doors. And I'm like, no, that was me. I literally was going to get sick. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm going to open up the floor to you guys. Just tell me all your bad experiences. Let's talk about it. I think generally speaking, um, being very late to appointments, doctor's appointments specifically, um, I've heard about people being late to their jobs on mm. several occasions. Um, 
being stranded, just waiting somewhere for, for your ride. Um, like I said a little bit earlier, sitting, like going past, literally going past your home or the destination that you're to be dropped off at. And they've gone around <laughs> six different times. Oh my God, all of the above. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the fact that like, oh, well, we need to park at a certain entrance and you can only exit through a certain entrance. That's when they're supposed to get off their butts and walk you to where you're supposed to be when you're visually impaired, but they don't always want to do that. And they no, don't. All the time because the guy kept pointing um, one time. Oh, I love it when they point. The corner and he kept pointing, just walk around the corner. I'm like, dude, I can't see where I'm going. Well, and I've been told, too, that they're not supposed to do that. They don't actually have to help you to the entrance. They just they just open the door, open the, you know, the van door, and out you go. They do not actually have to help you. And I don't know what it what the rules are, the policies from state to state. But here, I've, that's what I've always been told is that they don't have to help you. I've always had a paratransit driver help me because it is um... – it is something that you can ask for when you do schedule your ride if you need, like, door-to-door assistance. Yeah. Once I okay. started holding my cane while the ride would be arriving or, like, while I was waiting um, and they would spot it, they would come out. Like, if like if the door was facing traffic, because most of the time when I use it, I'm taking it from Staten Island to Manhattan. And so because the way Manhattan streets are, like, a lot of them are one way. And so they can only pull up into certain spots and they will usually get out um and just guide me safely to the the access door or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very it's varied, and I don't know if it's policy or the driver specifically um, whether or not they will attempt to help you. I've had drivers that insist on walking me to the door, like yeah. like a door, and I'm like, bro, it's fine. I don't need you to do that. And I've had drivers try and say, I'm right here, and they're two blocks away and expect me to be able to see them yeah like yeah it's really Mm -hmm. right Uh, yeah most of them will help me uh but i have had drivers like you said he'll just be like okay you're on your own how about it So so when i was working at um when i was working i think it was at disney um, my shifts were very, very, they were varied. So sometimes I'd come in as early as six in the morning. Um, and sometimes I would come in at like nine thirty or one thirty, whatever. Um, I found that my 6am shifts were the worst because, um, they say to plan to be like, they say to plan at least two hours because that's as long as they are supposed to be able to have you in the van. So I would plan at 4pm to be, or 4am to be picked up. Um, and then sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes I would get there at 4.30 because there was, like, nothing on the road. So sometimes I'd get there at 4.30, so I'd be sitting outside the building from 4.30 to 6 a.m. because you could not go in early. It would set yes. off the alarms. So yes. in the area that I was working, there were a lot of uh, transient people, and I was constantly approached. Um, I would try to hide. Um, and not be seen, but it really created a lot of unsafe situations. But then other times, I swear to you, there there, there became a time where I would leave at 4 a.m. and not arrive till 8 a.m. I'm not even kidding. Not even kidding. And it's like, First of all, that's, 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 that's scary as fuck. It's like, and how do you do this? And they would get lost like crazy. And it's like, I'm calling my employer and I'm like, I am so sorry. I'm on a ride share. Mm-hmm. I'm that, and it's not mm-hmm. their problem. It's not their problem. Um, right. 
And yeah. And it's like, uh, so I started getting picked up at 3 a.m., you know, 3 a.m. Oh for a 6 a.m. shift. And sometimes I'd be there again at 3.30. So now I'm sitting outside from 3.30 to 6 a.m. waiting for my building to open because it's not safe. But would they, you know, and, and like, when you're blind, you don't want to ask for um, accommodations that you shouldn't have to need. And I shouldn't have had the need to be like, hey, can I not have 6 a.m. shifts? So, um, so I contacted scheduling and they're like, well, you can apply for a standing time order, but we have a three-month wait limit or wait list for a standing time order. And I'm like, then what good is offering me a standing time order if I can't even have that fulfilled right now? And the standing time orders, they don't last. Like, you, you have to keep renewing them. Um, for me, uh, paratransit doesn't start running out here until 5 a.m. So when I was attending massage college... I would have to get a ride at 5 a.m. and hope that I could get to the train station on time to catch a train to get to my classes on time. I mean, I was out. My classes were four hours a day, and I was out because of of paratransit and, and having to travel with public transportation, sometimes 12 to 14 hours a day. That that's insane. Um, I've been stranded by paratransit oh, a couple times. Um, yeah. uh, once was pretty bad because it was after a doctor's appointment, and I had gotten done blood work, and I had not eaten. And then I was on the time of the month, which I didn't think to tell the you know blood tech or the lab tech to be like, hey, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be getting this blood work done. Don't ask me why I thought that was a great idea. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there waiting for them for like an hour and two. This is, again, this is before Uber Lyft, because if that had happened now, I probably would have been like, screw this. I'll just take an Uber home. It's going to be pricey, but that's mm-hmm. what it's going to be. But I'm just like waiting there and waiting there. And my sister is calling me. She's like, are you almost home? And I'm like, no, I'm not because my mom had already gone off to work. And then I was feeling so queasy on the ride back, again, because I hadn't eaten and I got that blood work done. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. Um, I will say too that scheduling was sometimes a bear because um, like in LA, you if you miss your ride, you're just asked out. Yeah. Um, whereas mm-hmm. here in Antelope Valley, if like sometimes my train would be late or delayed because of accidents and things like that, and I could reschedule. But like I said, in in the valley and in LA, if you miss your ride, um, there were times where fortunately I did have somebody that could rescue me. Um, from those situations but had I not I would have been stranded yeah and it's like here we have there have like that five minute rule and then they'll call they'll Mm -hmm. like say you're a no-show but like literally it takes you about that amount of time just to get out the door and they're just ready to leave you and then sometimes they'll like be calling you and be like where are you and I'm like I'm almost out the door at least they call you yeah (laughs) we don't get that calls are not guaranteed um, here I was in Manhattan. They're not guaranteed here either. Yeah, I was in Manhattan a few weeks ago, and um, I was at the location where I was supposed to be picked up. I was consistently calling 
um, the automated line to check because you can check and it'll say, um, you know, the, like the amount of time um, before your ride comes, like how far away, basically, how many minutes away your ride is. Um, and it was saying one minute, one minute. And now a half hour has gone by mm-hmm. and it's still saying one minute away. Mm-hmm. Yes. So now I'm in like a T section of mid midtown Manhattan, Manhattan. There are people everywhere. Um, and I call and I call and I, I go to speak to an agent and she goes, okay, let me check. And she goes, oh yeah, they left already. Whoa. Said, what do you mean they left already? And she was like, you weren't there. So he left. I said, what? I said, first of all, I've been standing on this corner for a, for a half an hour. Second of all, did he call me and let me know? I said, I'm legally blind. I said, if he is not literally in front of my face, how do you expect for me to be able to see that van amongst all the other cars in Midtown Manhattan? So now I'm like freaking out. I'm like panicking on the phone. I'm yelling. I'm looking like a complete lunatic. And she was like, well, I don't really know what to tell you. And I was like, you don't know what to tell me? How would you feel? How would you feel? I said, you make it make sense to me. I said, I am legally blind. You were telling me that my ride left. I said, call that man and tell him to come back. I said, he can't have gotten farther than 10 minutes away at this hour in Midtown. You know he was like five blocks away. Right. I said, mm-hmm. tell him to come, come and turn back around. It's not that complicated. Oh, we're not allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. So but you're allowed to leave disabled people stranded on the street by themselves? So now, mind you, I'm fighting with this woman for 15 minutes, and she's like, okay, well, let me see if I can schedule you another ride. Why did it take that long? Why did it take her right. to be screaming and crying on the phone to you for you to even suggest that? Right. Yeah. Right. Like, she, she should said, have just been, like, up front. She'd be like, okay, let me see what I can do. Exactly. Let me see what, right? Like, that. She, there's zero accountability. So zero. She puts me on hold, and she comes back. Now, at this point, I'm, like, sobbing because it's 8 o'clock. <laughs> it's going to get dark soon. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not trying to be on the street in Manhattan by myself in the dark. Yeah. So... She she um comes back and she goes, okay, I scheduled a new ride for you. I'm going to call you back in a half hour and let you know what time they're going to pick you up. So now I go into Starbucks, which my, my mind you now, she's going to call me back at 830. The Starbucks closes at nine. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. It's been about 20 minutes. I said, let me call and see. So I call the automated line again and the status of my trip. You might, your pickup is at 942. Almost two hours, over two hours from my original pickup time, was which was at seven thirty. Ridiculous. I was, yeah. like, I, I was like, the Starbucks closes at nine at nine o'clock. I was like, I'm not standing out here by myself, and you know that they're going to be late because they're of never course. on time. Uh-huh. So I call now. I call back again, and I'm talking to another person, and I'm screaming, like screaming in the middle of Starbucks, like a psycho at this point. And I'm like, how could you think that that's a that's a viable solution? What is wrong with you people? Blah blah blah. She goes, well, do you want me to do a taxi authorization? I was like, I don't know. How the hell did they not do a taxi authorization? I mean, like literally having like four hours ago in the middle of the street. And she puts me on hold, and she goes, okay. Now she puts me on hold. She goes, all right, I'm I'm working out your taxi authorization, and I'm going, I don't even know what that is. Mm-hmm. so she's like she keeps coming back and forth putting me on hold back and forth and she goes okay your ride is coming in five minutes and the vehicle number is five five four five five or whatever ma'am I was like, wait what 
I was like, what ride? Uh, what kind of car? Like, am I taking an actual taxi? Like, what's happening? She goes, no, it's an accessoride van. I said, she goes, you got to look for the number. I said, ma'am, I'm really blind. Uh, wow. Uh, <laughs> Which, mind you, is literally on my paperwork. God. Like, you have that, my, you have my account right in front of your face. <laughs> this is ridiculous, but it's so not, it's, it's totally a common thing. It's a common thing. Yes. So I'm going to tell you real quick what happened to me in my stranded story. Freaking worst day of my life. I just found out that my dad had gotten laid off, right? Job he's worked 18 years, got laid off. I'm just out of work. Like, I'm just, you know, my day is over with. I'm ready to go home. I just want to go home, be, be, be with my family, hug my dad, tell him it's okay, all this other stuff, you know? Like, I wasn't living with them at the time, but I knew my mom would be there, and I knew my dad was waiting for her. Um, at my grandma's house, and I just wanted to go there. I wanted to hug him. I wanted to tell him it'll be fine. Um, I'm waiting for my ride. So it's five o'clock. My ride's due at five forty-five. So I'm waiting. Five forty-five comes and goes. Um, I'm waiting. Um, it's like six fifteen now, and I can call and ask because you have to wait till your ride is like twenty minutes late or something mm-hmm. like that to call and ask mm-hmm. where they're at. So um, they're like, oh. Well, you canceled your ride. I said, no, I didn't. I'm at work. Why would I cancel my ride? They're like, yeah, it, we have a cancellation here. I said, who canceled it? They're like, oh, it just looks like it was canceled. Um, and I'm like, well, I am. I have ended my day. Um, I was expecting a ride. I've been waiting out here since 5 o'clock for my ride where I always wait for them. Uh, no one has ever pulled up. I'm, You know, I better not be a no-call, no-show. I said, and, and furthermore... I never canceled anything. I never canceled anything. I said, so I need to ride here now. I need to ride here now. I need to get home now. So she's like, well, I don't know what I can do. She goes, my nearest cab is two hours away. And I said, no, that's unacceptable. I said, um, there are so many repercussions for us. If I'm not waiting outside and your driver waits more than five minutes, he can go. If I am late or whatever, like if I no call, no show, I'm canceled from the service. Like there are so much accountability for me. Where is your accountability? What are you going to do to make this right? Um, and she did send a cab. It was a regular old yellow cab. And she's like, it'll be there in like 10 minutes. And it did come. It did get me home. And he's like, ma'am, you don't pay. He's like, ma'am, I don't know if it, what they told you, but when it is a yellow cab, you don't pay with, with paratransit. That's usually, when they're doing a taxi authorization like that, that's because it's royally their fuck up. And they are trying to make it right so you don't pay. Sometimes there have been times where I've, like, I've been, like, short on cash or, like, I don't know why I didn't have enough, like, because they don't, they want the exact amount. Yeah. And mm-hmm. here in Chicago, it's three twenty-five. It used to be $3 just flat, but for some reason they changed it. And I'm like, oh, geez, a quarter? Like, come on now. And um, so sometimes what they'll do is uh, they'll be like, oh, well, when you get there, you know, just have someone bring out the money. And I'm like, okay, that's cool from when I do have people there, but what if I didn't, mm-hmm. you know? And now now it's become a little bit more, uh, I, I want to say more digitized because now we can use our transit cards, our venture cards to pay for paratransit. I haven't used it because I haven't used paratransit in a while just because of the pandemic. And, you know, I do have a support system where uh, paratransit isn't my main source of transportation. Mm -hmm. But I do have it in case that, you know, someone in my main support system can't do it. I've had rides canceled um, 
canceled on me as well. Um, luckily, they were all while I was still at home, but unfortunately, it was I ended up missing out on things like friends' birthdays and stuff because, like I said, a lot of most of what I use it for is to get into Manhattan mm-hmm. um, because it's a lot easier than trying to navigate the streets and the subway system. Um, so yeah, it's 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 really frustrating when they do that because they do it for no reason and they try and make it like you did it and it's like. Yeah, and yeah. there's no accountability. Like Zero. Nope. None. None. None at all. And, oh, I want to go back to a point that I made earlier. When I was um, first joining Paratransit, I was under the impression that these drivers were heavily vetted and background checked and all that. And I, I, <laughs> I believe that they are. But some of the things that I have heard and that I have experienced um, lead me to wonder if they just haven't been caught. Because I've had drivers make advances to friends. Um, I've had a driver ask me for my number. Um, and Ugh. yeah, I've had um, I've had drivers make friends of mine feel very uncomfortable. Um, one of my friends told me that she was in um, she was riding with a bunch of other people, and the driver would would say periodically, "You are so beautiful. You are so beautiful." And she's not one for taking compliments. And she noticed that the van was beginning to empty out. And she was one of the last people there. And then finally, she was the last person there. And he kept saying, you're so beautiful. Your body is so pretty. Da, 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 da. Like things like that that was just making her super duper uncomfortable. Um, so she got on the phone with her I don't know if it was her friend or her parents or whoever, but she started sending them trip updates, like sending her location out just in case he wasn't going the right way. And the first, she kept telling him, like, let me know if he deviates from getting me home because that's how uncomfortable he made her. And wow. then when she got home, of course, now he's got her address, of course. Um, but he was just, he asked her for her number and she said no. And, um, she said that as she was walking away, he was asking her, why are you like that? Like, why are you being like that? And it's like, because you're a creep, dude. Yeah, I've, I've had, uh, when I lived in Michigan, I've had drivers. I had one driver ask for my phone number, and I ended up giving him one that was disconnected. And he actually, later on, I saw him, and he was like, oh, this number doesn't work. Um, I'd be like, so, yeah, I don't I, have I, phones. I live on. Yeah. I live in a house made of wheat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I wash and, my clothes in the river. Yeah, I'd be like, driving. I'm sorry, dude, but uh, can't afford one. I can't afford my phone right now. Yeah, it's off. and I, I had a driver. I say, I think it was. That was a different driver. Say, oh, you're so beautiful. It's really disconcerting, and you know, to have that unsolicited attention like that. Well, especially when you're noticing a, the van I always have an emotion, uh, an uh, imaginary boyfriend or husband waiting for me. Mm-hmm. Always. Yes. <laughs> Usually in the military or some kind of fireman, something that implies that they're big and beefy. Um, yeah, there's always that because I've, I've had many people ask me, um, you know, oh, you married, oh, you have a boyfriend, things like that. Mm-hmm. They have no business knowing about right, me. Right, right. Yeah. Um, as a woman, and nine times out of ten, I was always in the car or the van by myself. I almost never, um, yeah. Especially with accessory. Now, with us, we also with our, my service, they also use um, local car service to like kind of just spread the uh, the rides around more, mm-hmm. and then you pay the same amount. 
but like you get a car service car, which sounds great. But now if you think that the people working directly for the paratransit are untrained for disabilities, imagine a plain old regular car service driver. Mm-hmm. I've been kicked out mm-hmm. of cars. I have been in cars with wow. literal crackheads that are throwing their money at the driver and screaming and cursing at everybody in the room, in the car rather. Um, I have been, um, I've just felt very unsafe in so many different circumstances. I had a woman who was pissed off because I was getting dropped off first and kept going, why are you going this way? And he was like, cause she's, she, her, her stop is first. And then she started distracting him while he was trying to change lanes on the highway. And I finally turned and yelled at her. I was like, can you stop? Can you stop? Like, can you literally stop? Um, so those passengers were like the worst, but you, you can't win because you feel unsafe if you're alone in the car. But then, but the people I would ride with were absolutely insane. So that would make you feel uncomfortable. And I, I have had rides where, like, yeah, I'm with other passengers, and I'm just like uncomfortable because they're just like either a complaining about this or that. I remember having one ride where the driver even got fed up with her, and he's like, you know what? If you keep complaining one more time, I'm gonna drop her off first. And I bet she wants to get dropped off first. And I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> And um, I've been lucky enough not to be in super unsafe situations, but, you know, my luck eventually is going to run out. Um, But I do agree that, like, most of the paratransit drivers that I've experienced are more male than female. Yeah. Now, I have gotten female drivers, but it's, like, very rare and in between. Mm -hmm. At least in California, when they do a taxi authorization, like a straight-up yellow cab, that cab is there to bring you to your destination because paratransit has already messed up they are not allowed to pick up other passengers they're not allowed um one time i had somebody say like he he was driving the cab he's like i'm just gonna pick up this this guy right here he's in you know he wants a ride he's real close by and i said you're not allowed to do that he goes no just real quick just real quick i promise just real quick and i'm like you are literally not allowed to do that you're under contract for another company right now he goes no i pick him up real quick real quick so, he ends up picking up this guy, um, and, and he ends up dropping this guy off first, mind you, but, like, the entire time he's in there, um, I'm just feeling very unsafe, because he's already doing something he should not be doing. He's breaking, like, a bunch of rules um, right now, bringing this other guy on board. I don't know if this is a friend of his. I don't know. Like, you know, being a woman in a car with two men where you don't know if that's his friend. You don't know what's going to go on. You know, there's the, sa- the mm-hmm. safety... Um, the safety is a little bit lax with a cab. Um, they don't have the, the cameras and stuff like paratransit does to ensure your safety or to ensure that, that everything went well. Um, and paratransit has even less control if you, um, want to issue a complaint. Um, I knew somebody who ended up having a relationship with, a paratransit driver and to me that is just so unethical yeah those kind of boundaries should be in place mm-hmm. like that just should not be happening at all well, no that, that just, should not be a thing and it's kind of like it's kind of creepy and you wonder if they're targeting mm-hmm. those people because they're vulnerable a lot of there are a lot of people who take paratransit that are more uh, vulnerable than I am. Like, there are people who have Mm -hmm. um, developmental and physical Mm -hmm. disabilities. Um, Mm -hmm. So who knows what happens to them? Yeah. 
I mean, and, and, and here, I mean, like I already said, there's no accountability, but there's no accountability. So if you're using the car service, uh, car service brokerage system, um, you can be, you can be in a car with, um, another accessoride user, or you could be in a car with, and this is a literal thing that's happened. The crackhead that came rolling out of the park that everybody knows is a drug park. And the person who just came out of the parole office, like these are literal places that passengers that I have ridden with have come out of while Mm -hmm. using the car service Mm -hmm. brokerage through paratransit. Um, They have to do nothing to ensure your safety. I've had people like literally cursing the driver out the entire time, cursing each other out. I mean, at the end of the day, like, I already had a really long work day. This was literally every day. This was every day of my life. This was five days a week, Monday through Friday. That yeah. something was going on because of paratransit and its many, you know, mm-hmm. helper cars. I had a woman who screamed at me for 20 minutes. She was a driver because I wasn't ready when she came and she came early. I said, my pickup time's for 8. Well, I have another customer to pick up. I said, but that's not my problem. My pickup time is for 8. You can't come at 7.30 and expect me to be ready. Yeah. So she's like, fine, I'll come yeah. back. So she comes back at 8.05. I come I come out, starts screaming at me. I've been here for five minutes. This person's been waiting, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, first of all, I'm, I'm not a child, and you don't get to speak to me like that. She's like, well, it's blah, 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 screaming at me as we're driving down the block. I said, you know what? I said, we were about like two or three blocks away from my apartment at the time. I said, you know what? Pull over. I said, I'm getting out. I'm not going to sit here and let you scream at me. She wouldn't let me out of the car. And when I complained to both paratransit and the car service company, they were like, yeah, there's really nothing we can do. We'll try not to send her again. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like, how do you still have a job after speaking to somebody like that? I also yeah, yeah, because- got a guy who would used to pick up his wife from work on the way home to oh, take wow. me home regularly. Jeez. And he used to stop for food regularly. Like, so um, stop for food while you don't have anybody in the car. See, I've had, I know somebody who um, he chose to get an Uber because the, the van had broken down and she wasn't going to let him go. And he, he, he's not having it. Like, he, he's like, I am taking an Uber. You cannot keep me here against my will. I will be taking Uber out of here. Once I am not you say let on me the out side and the they don't, that's kidnapping. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. And there was, again, zero accountability right across the board. I said, if you're going to, not only that, but if you were going to be a company, there's a lot of car service companies, private car service companies on this island. Only about three or four of them work with Accessoride. That's a choice that you make. So you knew you were going to be working with disabled people in a mm-hmm, whole mm-hmm. different kind of kind of um, varieties, right? So where's the accountability there? Yeah, I said and also the where's once, the patience? I said, I said to him, I, the same guy who used to pick up his wife and pick up food one time picked me up, and I was in the back room because we were having some kind of work crisis, and I I didn't have my phone on me. So when I came out. I was like, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize we were having a problem. I, I didn't have my phone. He starts screaming at me. And he's like, you know, I've been waiting here for 15 minutes. I said, excuse me, I've waited for you for over an hour. I said, I've been in the car while you picked up family members. I've been in the car while you've picked up food. I said, I came in here and apologized. I, the second that I got into this car, I was like, what gives you the right to speak to me like that? 
I said, how could you possibly work with people with disabilities on a regular basis and think you can talk like this? He told me to get out of the car. He kicked me out of the fucking car. Ridiculous. It is. And it's Ridiculous. like, they, they know they're going to be working with people with disabilities, blind, uh, disability, like people with developmental disabilities, physical disabilities, and yet they don't have the patience to work with these people. And they're just like, get in the car. Because there's zero empathy, there's zero accountability, they know that there's no consequences to their actions. Mm -hmm. I've had drivers pick up, okay, so they picked up me, and I was, they're like, oh no, you you have to sit in the front, because we have more passengers to pick up, and I'm like, oh my god, this is going to be a long night. They picked up two other people, and one of those people had a PCA, and then there was also a guide dog in the back. So this car was stacked. And then he got lost trying to take everyone home. And somehow I was freaking last. Again, a night where I did not get home till nearly 9 o'clock. There is mm-hmm. zero reason mm-hmm. why someone should get out of work at 5 p.m. and not be home until 9 o'clock. I could drive right. from Southern to Northern California in the time it took him to get me home from work. I had a driver. He kept passing my house. I told him, second front, like, it's the second house. Like, you have the corner house and then my house. I told him that in every possible way I could think to. I live across the street from the school, and I explained to him, like, this is the school, there's my house. Um, he passed my house seven times. Had to go around my block seven times. And so I'm like, you know what, just, just let me out here. He let me out around the block from my house because he just couldn't find it, and I just walked home. Yeah, um when I was attending massage college, I would get home. My class ended at, my classes ended at 5.15. And sometimes it would be, you know, 11, 12 o'clock at night getting home. And then it's not well lit in my area. So drivers, if they didn't know where I lived, they were constantly getting lost. And they would try to drop me off in the wrong place. And I would I'd step out. I'm like, no, I'm not getting off here. This is not where, this is not my house. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's dark as fuck. Like I am not doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so you will find my house. But yeah, I mean, more often than not, when I, when I was in school, like I said, I would get home at 12, you know, between 10 to 12 o'clock at night. Um, it, four, four or five hours passed when my classes ended. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me that when your whole job is driving people from point A to point B and you have a damn GPS, sometimes two, because they have the vehicle one and mm-hmm. they have their own damn phone yes. mm-hmm. and still can't mm-hmm. figure it out. Yeah. Um, the time before I got stranded, I uh, I met my friends at a at a bar that we, we frequent. Um, we used to post, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, we would frequent a lot more. Um and the guy who picked me up was 40 minutes late, which, got, thank God I have good friends that weed outside with me because, like, you were literally just leaving me stranded on a side street in New York again um, for 40 minutes in the dark at 11 o'clock at night. So I get on there, and I notice that he keeps turning around. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is this guy doing? So I said, um, is everything okay? And he goes, my... GPS is trying to reroute me through New Jersey. And because we are in New York, it's a New York City uh, run. It's like through the MTA for New York City. So they're not really allowed to drive in New Jersey. I said, I said, all right, well, tell, just reroute your GPS to go to the battery tunnel. He was like, 
can you do it? And tries to hand me my, his phone. I said, no, I'm literally uh, blind. I can't, I can't really see your phone. Oh, okay. Now this man's trying to, like, I don't know. If you haven't been to New York, you don't know. But in Manhattan, people drive like maniacs. So now he's trying to get some car, a car to pull over. He's, like, chasing oh down God. cars and trying to oh, get them wow. pull over to ask them for directions. Oh, I boy. Wondered, do you not know how to get to the battery? Like, if I could see where I was, I could have fucking driven to the battery. Um, I was like, how do you not know? And he was like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to get there. I was like, oh, my God. So I'm mm-hmm. like, finally, he figures out his mm-hmm. GPS. And he turns me, you turns again. And he gets himself on track and, and whatever. But, like, it, it took way much longer to get home than it should have. Because I was downtown. So, like, Staten Island is south of Manhattan. I was already downtown. I had to drive through Brooklyn. But when you're already downtown, 45 minutes tops. Especially at 12 o'clock at night, which it now was, because it took him that long to figure out life. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Marianne. I've had drivers that, like, literally are like, so which route do you take to get home? And I'm like, yes. I don't know. I've, I'm like... Um, usually we take the expressway because, again, that's kind of like what you have to do to get to my house. Um, because, you know, I'm, I was going to school downtown or I was going to school a little bit farther. So they would have to definitely get on the expressway. And I'm like, I don't know, get on the expressway, go, go here and go there. But I'm like, I'm like, if I'm not familiar with the neighborhood, the best I know is some street over there. Yeah. And, um. There was one time my sister and I, we were going to a convention in, um, in Rosemont, which is a suburb. And um, it, we were going to the Stevenson convention and we were going to go to Heroes and Villains. And this driver just went like the most ridiculous route ever to get there because honestly, it's a, it's a pretty straight shot. Mm, like if you have a really good route to get there it's not going to take less than maybe 45 minutes we drove for like at least an hour and a half to get there wow yeah yeah the one thing i started doing in um paratransit vans and also ubers and lifts is having my own gps going (laughs) so i know where the hell i am exactly and if a driver gets lost it's like nope here you go this is what you do because I'm a little bit geographically <laughs> dysfunctional, but yeah, I, I just started doing that because it it helped. Well, I was gonna say that Marianne had brought up a really good point because, like, I cannot tell you how many times I've been asked by paratransit drivers, "Okay, so how do I get home mm-hmm. from here? How do I how do I go?" And yeah. I love that they ask. That's it's nice that they ask because they're willing to take your direction. So I love that that I get the opportunity to say, "This is what you do." Unfortunately, I don't know my way home from every situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. um, when I was working um, in Orange County, I told my, I asked my grandma, how do you get from their home? Because my grandma knew a back way that not a lot of people knew, and it was quick. It was hella quick. And she told me. So anytime a driver would tell me, uh, would ask me, so how do I get home from here? I'm like, this is exactly what you do, buddy. You don't even need the freeway. And I could, and I could get myself home. And that was like, it's appreciated, but at the same time, I hope it's not expected that we know because we don't always know our way home from every situation, mm-hmm. which is scary enough mm-hmm. in no, and of itself, don't. you know, but it's like, 
I have gotten to the point too where Selena, like Selena, where I will run my own GPS and listen to it in my headset, and um, and if he if he gets lost, I'm I, I'm there to back him up. Like there was one time where a guy could not, one of the drivers could not figure out their GPS, so I'm like, you know what? Here, here's my phone. This is where we're going. Here's the route. You know, just follow my my phone's directions. And that's what he did. He used my phone's GPS to get me from point A to point B. Because I just did not want to wait for him to get lost. And I didn't want to wait for him to, to sit there and wait for him to to figure out his GPS. So, right. um, so yeah, I he just used my phone. Um, and that's great that they're willing to, like, take directions from, like, you know, other people. But then, again, you get the drivers from paratransit. They're like, oh, well, I have to follow my GPS. I have to follow the route that dispatch takes me. Or I have to do... Oh, I have to go pick up another driver, or not a driver, another rider. So now I have to go like another route than previously, you know, put in front of them. So, um, has anyone had any like really strange experiences on paratransit other than the the stranded and whatnot? Because I had a pretty strange experience. Like I'm somebody who's very tolerant of any religion as long as you're not hurting anyone. Like do what you do, you know. Um, but I had a train that I would catch to take me into town so that I could do, um, my job. And, um, so I was coming from my, I would get picked up by paratransit from my house and taken to the train station. And I had a very tight crunch all the time, no matter how early they were. Um, and one time I had a yellow cab because they wouldn't, it was, I guess it was too early to send paratransit, but they would send a yellow cab. And, um this driver I got multiple times and he would if he didn't get me early enough he would literally with me in the car um pull over and he would pray um he would read his little thing his little pamphlet book or whatever that he had and he would pray with me in the car um he didn't try to include me in what he was doing but he would literally like do his little ceremony with me in the car and this made me very uncomfortable because I think that religion is a very personal thing. And mm-hmm. I felt like it was being imposed upon me, even though he wasn't trying to convert me or anything. Um, but having to sit there and wait while he did his ritual, it made me uncomfortable. I had made mention of it. And again, I got the whole, oh, we'll try not to send him. And they still sent him because his was the only car that would come or the only car that they would send out. And he's like, sorry, but I have to pray. Sorry, but I have to pray. And, like, so nothing ever got done with that. But it made me very uncomfortable. Yeah, I've, I haven't had anything with drivers, but I've experienced drunk riders, passengers, um, people who talk about really inappropriate things, mm-hmm. just, and loudly. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that's just so uncomfortable and awkward. I mean, cursing, um, excessively talking about um, sexual content and just lewd stuff and that's Mm -hmm. always bad like yeah i mean i'm pretty i don't shock and embarrass easily but come on when you're trapped in a vehicle with people right right like it's one thing if like you're watching something that you don't like on tiktok and you can scroll away Mm -hmm. or if you're out and about in the world and you can kind of walk away but when you're stuck in a car with somebody who's making you uncomfortable for whatever reason you are stuck in the car with them yeah Yeah. i've had people pray for me i've had people swear up and down that if i drank oh god what was it 
um, some kind of um, herb made into like a tonic. Yeah, like some kind of herb that I that I put and swore up and down that it would it would it would bring back my eyesight and all this kind of stuff and things like that. Which like I get that you're like I get that you're coming from a good place, but it's a really awkward thing to say to somebody because there's just so many connotations that are kind of negative, even though you're not trying to be mm-hmm. like, okay, well like you need, like, for example, that you need fixing, which excuse you. Right. Um, yeah. People screaming and yelling and I've gotten into fights with people, not like physical fights, but I've gotten into like screaming matches with people because they have just been so inappropriate and obnoxious in the car that, um, I've lost it because my mental health, when I was taking that, that on a daily basis, my mental health was deteriorating yes. at a rate that was absolutely insane because my job was stressing me out and then I had no respite and I would come home. I got a couple of hours before I would pass out because I was so exhausted and I had to start it all over. So yes, yes. it was a lot. It yeah. Was a- mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, yeah, like I said, I've gotten the writers that are very like inappropriate or very like oh want to know your life story and i'm like i'm coming home from school i want no interaction with you whatsoever mm-hmm. and nine times out of ten i just put my earbuds in but even that didn't work because i want to be also situationally aware right. so i'd only put like maybe one in just so i can hear like the driver be like okay because sometimes i would get the driver's in to be like oh well this we're this far away from your house or we're on this route so i also didn't want to be um like not being able to hear them because I had my earbuds in. I know that we've talked about like calling paratransit, talking to scheduling and whatnot. Did anyone else do anything else after a bad experience? Um, so uh, my friend and I had a bad experience. We did call and file a complaint. Both of us uh, filed. We were we were together, at, but we filed separate complaints about. Um, about the incident and I mean it, it felt good to do that but I don't really think it helped the situation I don't um yeah I, I just I don't feel like it did much but but we did do that I think the one time I did get stranded at that doctor's appointment I did file a complaint and I don't remember much of it coming out of it. And also, I never thought to get, like, the van's number. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, you know, you never think, oh, maybe I should get the number in case of situations. But obviously now I would do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I was pretty young at the time. And, you know, paratransit was, like, something new to me. Right. I mean, they have that number. Let's let's be clear. I mean, you give them, if you have, if you have some sort of an account number a- attached to your you know, to your situation that you, when you call for any reason, I have to give my account mm-hmm. number or whatever they call it, you know, my accessory number, whatever. Yeah. Um, they know exactly who drove you and when. Yes. Um, okay. I mean, I've left m- multiple complaints and then I yelled at one of the complaint people because I was so disgusted with his behavior as I was getting my complaint. Um, <laughs> I yelled at him too. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I don't think that the complaints do anything more than I think that they're just. I think the complaint department exists to, um, to pacify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you yeah. have experience. Here's your complaint department. Makes you feel like right. you yes. have a stay right. in this injustice that has just occurred. 
because let's face it, that's exactly what it is. It's mm-hmm. fucking bullshit. Um, and they put that they put that in place to shut everybody up. And yeah. I don't think anything ever comes out of it. So yeah, me neither. I just I think they just log the complaints and just be like, okay, well, you know, we'll get back to you, but they never do. And they're like, okay, well, we did our job. That's if a complaint is even filed. Like that, right. I would love to 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 have my complaints with Paratransit audited to see what has actually been filed. I would call and lodge complaints constantly when I was working at Disney because I got written up twice working at Disney. And I am a very strong worker, a very, um, um, like, I want to work. When I get there, I want to work. Um, because I'm blind, I hate being late. Um, but because paratransit had me so grossly late, so many times I ended up getting, you know, written up and warnings and all that kind of stuff. And, um... I just kept telling him, you know, I've done everything I can, but the paratransit's the problem. So I'm like, I called the complaint department, and they gave me the runaround again. Oh, yeah, we'll file this complaint. I'm like, you know what? You filed over 17 complaints, and I've got written down my dates. I have my dates, and I can give those to you. Um, Whether or not they've all been filed, I don't know. I said, but how about this? You always blame it on scheduling. The drivers always blame it, oh, this is how my route was routed, da 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 Yes. Let me speak to scheduling. Let me speak, uh, ma'am, I can't let you do that. Yes, you can. Let me speak to scheduling. Or I will lodge a formal <clears throat> complaint. Um, you know, I will lodge a formal complaint. Um, and I will um, I will write letters. I'll do it however I have to. So they're like, well, our scheduling department's not in. They leave at X time. They're in from, you know, from like, I guess it was like 10 to 4 or whatever. It's like, perfect. All right, great. Who should I ask for? Who's your manager of scheduling? And between my mom and I, uh, we were finally able to get the name of the scheduler, who was the schedule for um, L.A. at the time, L.A. Paratransit at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I called and I left messages with her, with her. I was on a first-name basis with this lady. And once I got to her, shit started getting done. My routes drastically improved. She was very kind. She was very... Um, she understood where I was coming from. She was like, I'm so sorry this has happened. She's like, you should have been given a standing time order ages ago. I said, I, they told me that there was a waiting list. She goes, she goes, they, if this is for work, um, she goes, they should have told us. Um, so you've got to find out the root of your problem and then get to that department. Uh, because once I did that, like it did not save my job, unfortunately, but once I did that, my rides got a lot better a lot better and a lot more mm-hmm. um cohesive and a lot they made more sense but here's my question are, are is every uh paratransit state or city run it's county sometimes it's, it's regional i guess like because but it LA... is government basically government run yeah it's through uh whatever transit authority that's in your state yes. and it's from county to county and, so um yeah and, I mean, um, the, the MTA here in New York is notoriously crappy to begin with. So I feel, like, very defeated when it comes to trying to get people on the phone and complain to the right folks because I feel like, as a general rule, they don't care. Yeah, um, like, Antelope Valley is is different in some ways than, um, like I said, L.A. and the Valley um they they're they seem to be a bit better in terms of scheduling and i mean it, it, there's still problems but um it's it's a bit cheaper they'll if you're if you miss your ride you can reschedule whereas 
in other places, it's just not like that. It's, it's crap. So, I mean, I, I'm fortunate in that I live in the Antelope Valley. But... Like, to be honest, that last story that I was telling you where I was stranded in Midtown, I didn't, mm-hmm. even, I didn't even report it. They had that whole conversation on and re- recorded. They have my entire panic attack recorded. I spoke to two completely separate agents about it, and I was literally sobbing on the phone to both of them. They know exactly what happened. I, I don't feel like any any more any more on the on the subject is going to change anything. So, do you know? Okay, first of all, do you know that they have? Um, I don't know what they call them, but they're meetings, member meetings, where you can basically mm-hmm. go. And do you yes. ever attend? Like, you go to these meetings, you talk about the issues, um, and try to salute, find solutions. Has anyone ever attended one of these? I know about the meetings, but I've never been to one. I've wanted to go. I just, I never have. So. I've, or I've never been made aware that there was any such thing. Um, no, that's not to say that there isn't. Um, I've spoke to a lot of different people about it, about my concerns with Accessoride and my desire to do more than just complain to their complaint department. Because, like I said, I don't think it does anything um most people just say there's not really anything you can do they are what they are like it's better than nothing like excuse me that's because you don't have to take it that's why you say it's better than nothing mm-hmm. yeah you've um, been walking to manhattan right um i don't think there are member meetings for the paratransit in my city i don't think i've ever heard of them again like marianne said they they might be but you know i've never heard of them and i've never gone to any of them um like I said, I've been lucky enough where, like, again, I do have horror stories, but I don't think they seem extreme compared to you guys. I would definitely check with your paratransit and see if, they, if they'll tell you, like, hey, when's our next meeting or do we have meetings? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a really good thing to do is call and find out. Um, I know that they have the meetings I've never been able to attend, but um, I would love to attend and start finding some solutions to this stuff because... We need this service. Um, things like Uber and Lyft can be really pricey, but we, you know, paratransit is fairly reasonable for, you know, what it is. But the um, the experiences are not reasonable, and that that's what needs to change. And also, like the mental health that like you go through just because you know paratransit isn't accountable for what they're doing, whereas whether they're late coming to pick you up or they leave you stranded, that leaves a mental toll on you. Yeah, it absolutely it absolutely does. And um, people people don't if they if you don't have to use it, you just don't get it. Uh, my counselor for the commission for the blind is visually impaired, and we were on a joint call with the social worker that was supposed to be helping me uh, with several things that she ultimately was not helpful at at all. But that's another story for another day. Um, and I said that if I was to get another job i i would like to work from home i said because of the mental toll that um that transit was was causing and she was like well don't you have accessoride and before i even opened my mouth my counselor said have you ever taken accessoride because it's i love your counselor mariam i want him it's so un (laughs) like it's so assumed that Wow, look at that's so great. There's this wonderful service. It's just for you and you could go around. Yes. Mm-hmm. No. No, it's no. an absolute mm-hmm. nightmare and it's a disaster, people, yeah. It's a disaster. My it's mom My mom was one of those people. She'd be like, Oh my god, paratransit's so great, you know, you can take it whenever you want to, like you don't have to rely on me. And she'll like, Yeah, we can go to um 
say like a mall that's a little further out than what we usually go to she's like yeah we can take it one day and i'm like no and she's like well how come and i'm like because they're unreliable they're they're just gonna be late and it's just it's a hassle to do it and you should take you know, a little see what it's like for you to. yeah right i mean i was gonna say like unless i absolutely have to i will avoid at all costs taking paratransit because um you were talking about the mental toll it takes i mean it's it's just it's a lot it's so much mm-hmm. it's too much sometimes mm-hmm. so unless i absolutely have to i just i don't do it um do you opt for like public transportation uber or lyft in lieu of paratransit so yeah mm-hmm. absolutely um for me it depends on uh kind of like what i'm doing so when it comes to like medical appointments like going to the, like the retina specialist um i would take paratransit there but then I would take Uber home because, again, with, you know, eye doctor's appointments, you never know how long they're going to be. But if it's, like, something around the area, you know, usually my mom will take me. And, again, if, there, if there's really no one else, then I'll take Uber. But that's literally last resort because, again, Uber is pricey. And sometimes I'm, like, I look at the price for Uber and I'm just, like, I don't think I want to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for local stuff, if I'm staying on Staten Island, I'll 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 look at Lyft if nobody can take me uh, somewhere. But I really hate relying on other people. Um, mm-hmm. That's just my personal thing. Like I don't like it, but if I have to, I I will. Um, but I will do like I tend to like Lyft more than Uber in my area. But um, it has to be local because where it would be it would be, it would it was thirty bucks to get from my apartment to my job via uber or lyft and so seven that's seven a seven mile ride so it was, it's already astronomically ridiculous mm-hmm. it would probably be like 60 to 100 dollars to go into manhattan so that is when i utilize accessoride um reluctantly but it's still better than um so anything outside of this borough like any of the other four boroughs i am going to use accessoride because they still drop me off at the door um and it's a lot easier than taking public transportation and then trying to find your way from from there in 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 the city. Mm-hmm. I used to take public transportation a lot. It's just um, just once the pandemic hit, I felt really uncomfortable taking public transportation. Mm-hmm. And um, again, the places I usually go to they're really not that far away so it's easier for me just to get a ride somewhere than to try to take public transportation for me living in oregon i have not taken transportation once since i've been here so for five years that i've been here going on um i've always taken public transportation or uber because a i'm I'm not even with the paratransit services here because um if i got stranded at this point with my anxiety being what it is, I don't know what I would do and be because um, public transportation is so easy here. It's so accessible. We have a streetcar, we have a train, we have buses. You know, we have mm-hmm. so many methods of public transportation um, that all, you know, I just wear a mask or I just wear a mask and I cover my hands when I have to hold on to something. And, you know, I just, I get on public transportation because it's, it's, you know, it's not, it, I have more control, I have more freedom. And I, I don't ever have to worry about being stranded. Yeah. I mean, I think if you're, if your um, public transportation is accessible enough, it's definitely doable. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, unfortunately, that does vary from place Absolutely to place. Absolutely, it does, yeah. Because mm-hmm. California yeah. is crap for public transportation. 
Um, for ours, it's so accessible. It's ridiculous. Um, for our buses, it will speak. Um, it has like a wheelchair lift uh, ramp, and um, so I'll let it. I'll let it down, and then you could always ask the bus driver, "Okay, can you let me off at this stop?" But like the buses will speak at every stop, mm-hmm. and then for our for our elevated train system, same thing. They speak at every stop. They're not supposed to close the doors on you. They, uh, the drivers of the L trains, they have to check that there's nothing in between the doors. And that's mostly because I think a couple, like, I don't know when, it was like a long time ago, but there was an accident because no one checked that the doors were clear. And, uh, like, this lady had this accident. And so they made sure that now that they always check those doors to make sure they're clear. And there is also always, like, customer assistance and the train platforms that will help you out and when we're speaking on on public transportation my one major issue with buses is that sometimes drivers opt not to have the bus talking so it's really important that you let them know either with your cane or with your words hey legally blind here or you know completely blind here you know make sure your bus is talking um because some bus drivers over here will opt to turn that off and that's really a pain in the butt um, yeah, also, that's the, the GPS is good for that, like the, you know, transit directions and stuff like that. It's good for when you're on a bus as well. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's also an app called Move It. So mm-hmm. if you put your point A and point B in there, it'll tell you what to take and where to go. And then it will, like, say the, the stop before your stop, it'll say get ready. And then your stop, when it comes up, it'll ding. Um, so you know when to get off your bus or your train. My biggest concern on like regular buses um, is the other people. <laughs> yes, that's um, true. So I did my, you know, I did my graduation bus ride for mobility. Um, so if you don't know, when you are finishing um, uh, mobility training, your last lesson is go on the bus by yourself and meet your instructor and wherever. Um, and I had my cane and I had my phone because I was communicating with her to let her know I am on, I made it on the bus and you know and, and and all I kept thinking the whole time was I'm holding this cane in one hand and I'm holding my phone in the other and is somebody gonna come at me and accuse me of being fake uh, or faking my disability because I'm I'm using my phone because that is something that happens <laughs> to people and it was so ding and stressful that the. I mean, it was literally like a five-minute bus ride. It was so quick and so easy. And I was just on tender hooks the entire time because of this this possibility that didn't even occur. But How do you ladies think that we can improve paratransit? Maybe more training and empathy and patience and dealing with people with disabilities because, as I said before, I've, I've dealt with people who are like, just very frustrated with the fact that they have to deal with the uh, with people with disabilities, and I'm like, that's part of your job. You know this upfront. I think shining a light on what ex- um, what paratransit actually is like for us, um, because I think that that like I said, people assume that it's like this great service, and luckily there's just there's you know you can have these rides and they're just for you. And um, I think that people need I think that information. And like the reality of using the service needs to be more widely known um, because once they're out in the open with what they're actually doing, um, maybe then they, they, they have no choice but to have some accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. Because unless you know somebody that takes paratransit on a regular basis, 
you're not going to know what it's like for them to to have to take it mm-hmm. so yeah i would also yeah. i would also say that scheduling the people in the mm-hmm. scheduling department should be people who are very familiar with the areas that their uh their paratransit serves so that they are able to come up with more efficient routes and that they are able to um help drivers out more appropriately when they are lost um i think communication definitely needs to be better between dispatch and drivers to Absolutely. to help them when they get into yeah. these sticky situations Mm-hmm. as well as communication between drivers and passengers. Um, because that my my accessory, they're not required to contact me at all. I get mm-hmm. an automated phone call if 15 minutes before they're allegedly arriving, which we all know is not going to be accurate. Right. And I am expecting no. to be waiting for them in whatever weather may be occurring, <laughs> right. wherever I may be at whatever hour. And they have, they do not, they are not required um, to contact me and let me know that they're there. In fact, when you request for the driver to be to contact you, they will literally say to you, well, I'll let the driver know, but they're not required to do that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, cust- you know, mm-hmm. requested call-outs are not guaranteed. They always say that call-outs are not guaranteed. Yes. The problem is, is that even if we are waiting outside, even if we're waiting for you, we may not see you. So a call right. out uh-huh. is a good idea just to say, hey, your driver is on site. If you don't see them, contact us. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, I would say just more uniform uniformity. And I know that's a difficult task um, because like I was saying, how Antelope Valley is a bit different than LA. Um, like the app that tracks rides does not work out here so i you know i can't keep track of anything as to where where my ride is and and all of that so there there are some major differences in the way that things are are run in different mm-hmm. um cities counties states mm-hmm. yeah because it sounds like you guys have more of a frustrating situation when it comes to scheduling and you know calling because here in chicago um, so obviously you have to schedule a day in advance and, you know, you let them know like, Hey, I'm blind. I need this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then the day of your ride, they'll give you an automated call, but they also have like dispatchers also like, um, that you can call, like it's a different line than what the scheduling line is, but you can call them and like, say like, Hey, what's my ETA on my ride? And they'll look for it. Mm-hmm. We have that, but only Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Yes. Um, so it's like regular business hours, which I, I think is really funny because Accessoride is a 24-hour service. So when my ride yeah. leaves me stranded at midnight and you are dispatched, you're, you're like, you know, agent hours are only 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. Who am I calling? Not only that, like, it, it's not 24 hours here. So Yeah, I think it's 24 hours here. Or at least however however long I think our transportation system is running is however long they run. That's what it is in California. However long the but bus But I don't understand is. how you cannot have um, agents available at the same time as your services yeah. running. <laughs> like that's nope. what, and they're not there on the weekend. Yeah. 90% of the time I'm taking it on a weekend. Uh, any tips for riders of paratransit and any final thoughts that you ladies have? If you have to take paratransit, as many of us do... Um, keep yourself as prepared as possible. Food, water. Um, 
because yeah, food, water. Um, try and schedule your your pickup locations in a safe place. You know, like I mean, for me, like I said, I, when I was stranded in Manhattan, there was a Starbucks. They wouldn't let me, but they wouldn't let me use the bathroom, and they closed before they were trying to pick me up. So, um, you know, if you have some leeway in where you're being picked up, you know, a building to the left, a building to the right, or whatever, you know, keep that in mind because you may be waiting a while. Yeah, um, prepare yourself time-wise. Make sure that. I mean, it sucks, but make sure that you you are scheduling your ride a couple of hours in advance, at least, because, mm-hmm. you know, the paratransit is overbooked. And also what I said earlier about, um, like, run your GPS while you're in route. Mm-hmm. Make sure your phone is charged in Absolutely. case you yeah. contact another way of getting somewhere. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Uh, like, have a power bank. If you can, mm-hmm. yeah, or that's, portable I mean, charging that's what case. I did when I was in school because I, my phone was constantly dying. So, also, say if it's for like a medical appointment because some paratransit will like get you there on time, and you have to let them know like, hey, I need to be there at this time. Also, I know like it's like default to like draw on your earbuds because you just like want to like listen to music or listen to something, just kind of get through the ride. But at least be situationally aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, keep one earbud out or keep the music low enough where you can hear it, but still what's going on around you. My tips start from the moment you get on the van. Um, When you meet your driver, hi, my name is so-and-so, what's your name? Get your driver's name, get their name. When you get on that bus, try and get that number. Use your phone, use whatever resources you have to get that bus number. Because like Marianne says, they know. They know who picked you up, but they're going to try and say that they don't. So you're going to take really documented notes throughout just in case you're in a situation. Um, if there's something that goes wrong, note down your timestamps and what happened. And then, um, if, if you have a a very bad incident, um, or something you need to report, like, who do I send my emails to? Because I'm not only am I going to form a complaint on the phone, I am also sending you guys an email. So who do I send it to? Um, and once you have a paper trail, I think paper trails are the best way to make change. Um, I would also say know your rights as a writer. Um, know what is allowed and what is not allowed in your area because everyone is different. Do you have the two-hour rule? Do they have to stop? Are they allowed to stop for food and gas when you are in the car? Know your rights. Um, Make sure that you have an understanding of what everything that they are supposed to be doing. Um, If they offer courtesy call-outs, I would say, you know, I am legally blind. I may not see your car. Um, I know call-outs are not guaranteed, but I would prefer a call-out to know that my car is on site just in case I do not see them. They're more likely to give you a call-out. And I would just say pack plenty of food, plenty of water, um, something to do while you're waiting, um, and have a backup plan. Have a backup plan that if something goes horribly awry, you are not stranded out there for hours on end. And if they try to say that you canceled or there was a cancellation, tell them you want the name of the person who canceled that ride and at what time it was canceled so that you can put that in your notes. Make sure that you are a strong advocate with these people. And if you can, attend the meetings. Bring your receipts. Bring your receipts. Bring your video. Bring whatever you do to document the situation or the situation as it is. They're not going to advocate for you. They are not going to care. You have to make them care with your evidence. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Paratransit is a really nice idea. Um, the the idea of it, you know, getting from point A to point B, a specialized ride for people with disabilities, like this is all well and good. But when it the intentions are great, but the actions don't follow the intent, like you really have a horrible breakdown in this. And there's a lot that needs to be changed and fixed so that this can be a viable resource for people with disabilities. I want to say thank you very much to my panel. Thank you to Lily, to Selena, and Marianne. It was wonderful having you ladies on the show again. Of course, always. Definitely. And thank you all for listening. Um, I'm so glad to be back and to be opening with this episode. Um, So tune in every Thursday because we will be releasing more episodes on Vision Magnified. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed the show and look forward to seeing you next time. You can find us as Vision Magnified Official on TikTok and Instagram. And on Twitter as VMO Podcast. See you next time.